630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Rebound right corner, bottom in front. Rich shot score. Nick Ritchie gives Anaheim its first lead, 2-1. And that's the series winner. The Anaheim Ducks take out the Edmonton Oilers tonight. 2-1 the final in Game 7. Cogliano, the other Anaheim goal. Drake Kajula, the only marker for your Edmonton Oilers who get back into the playoffs after 10 years out. They push the Ducks to Game 7. However, they fall one goal short tonight. Thanks a lot for joining us. It's the final edition of Overtime Open Line for the 2016-17 season. It is 11:07, along with former NHLer Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. We really appreciate you tuning in. Of course, we're here to talk. 780-496-0063. You can also text 63630. We'll have post-game reaction as well as uh, Rob. Before we get to the phone calls, you know, the first period I was kind of like, you know, okay, some good moments, some tough moments for the Oilers, but they got out of it with a one nothing lead. And then obviously the second period tonight had a lot of people pretty worried. The Ducks dominated, tied it up, and then eventually got the winner in the third. Yeah, you and I talked, and we just talked about it with Bob, that the Oilers needed to extend their lead. When they were up one nothing, they had some chances, they had a power play, and if they could have got that second goal, seeds of doubt would have crept into the minds of the Duck players who have been in this position and failed in this position a number of times. They weren't able to extend, and I think the Ducks getting to the end of the first period just down one, they felt pretty good about themselves going into that intermission. And they came out in the second period, and it was domination. It it was the point where I don't know if, if Gibson was even tested. I think this, what were the shots? 16, 16 to three. three. I mean, they didn't have a they Oilers didn't, didn't have a scoring chance. No, and it was and the Oilers at that point were fortunate to get out of the second period, one one. So it was. Uh, you knew there was going to be a push by the Ducks. They're a proud team. They're trying to exercise their demons. They did it in the second period. Having said that, the Oilers had. The third period, win a period, win a game, win a series. And unfortunately, the Ducks were the ones that got the break. Yeah, Nick Ritchie's goal there at uh, 321 of the third period turns out to be the winner. Let's go back to Anaheim right now, and here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Uh, Todd, if you can, I know the the loss is fresh, but uh, big picture, uh, can you just maybe tell us how you feel about your team right now? Well, there's there's two streams of, of feeling. We're disappointed right now. Obviously, we uh, we didn't come into the playoffs just to play. We came in to win. I think our team played that way, it prepared that way, it battled that way. Um, so the overall feeling right now is is one of disappointment. We couldn't quite get it done. Uh, when you remove that and you look at the big picture, our our entry into the playoffs. Uh, was about as good as we could ask. Uh, the type of teams that we played, the series that we played in, the ups and the downs. Um, we basically got a college degree in, in a month when it comes to playoffs. And uh, that experience for us moving forward is going to be very, uh, very, very helpful. I look around the room when, when we were uh, done and we had a minute or two together and uh, the amount of bumps and bruises and uh, scrapes and ice bags and uh, you know just scrawny bony looking players is a good sign for us um, 
It wasn't long ago that we talked about just coming into these buildings during the regular season and trying to survive, and now we can push and, and uh, you know, compete with these teams. So we're going the right direction. Uh, we've done a lot of really good things, uh, gained a lot of experience. Um, you know, and I'm not even going to talk about the future yet because we're still absorbing this right now. But uh, it's too bad we couldn't get one more goal. Todd, Connor was hesitant to talk about his own play, wanted to focus on the team game more after the game here tonight. Uh, can you just comment on, on, on his play in the last couple of games and what you saw? Connor McDavid's Connor play, McDavid's. thought he was tremendous. Thought he did everything he possibly could. Played 25, 26 minutes tonight. Um, he was our leader. He did many, many things that you guys don't see. There's a little glimpse of it, uh, I think, after the, the comeback here in, in Anaheim where he took care of the team. But uh, there's a lot done for a, for a 20-year-old captain that nobody sees. Um, his play speaks for itself. Um, we wouldn't be at this spot without him and the rest of the team. We, we learned that we can't just win with one individual. So I thought he was tremendous. Todd, what do you think specifically Connor learned on, on this run? Was it fighting through checks like with Kessler and how he hounded him? Was, was there any other thing that you thought that he could really take away from this? Well, the Oilers learned a lot. Um, not just Connor, but the Oilers. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going to go the, the way Connor did. I'm going to talk about our team. And, um, you know, he had to fight through a lot of stuff and he learned a lot throughout the, the playoffs. But, it uh, wasn't just him. Leon had to fight through that. Uh, there were other guys that had to uh, to learn to play through injuries, to, to deal with ups and downs, officiating, all that type of stuff. So it wasn't just Connor going to school. It was the organization. Coach, when the, when this series started, you mentioned how much your team had learned in the first round of the playoffs. Now that, that we're, you know, you're through the second round, how much more do you think this group learned? I think what we did in the second round is we uh, we solidified an identity of, of a pretty scrappy, resilient, um, never-die uh, team. There's still a little bit of inconsistency in our game, but we'll grow up and we'll fix that as we move forward. Um, you know, the one, the, the one question that I had that I think is answered, um, we weren't afraid of the stage. Our team wasn't afraid of the stage. We were willing to come out on it and perform. And uh, for an inexperienced team right from, from day one, um, that's a good sign for us moving forward. Todd, what would you say was the main difference from game six where you, you carried a lot of the play and, and obviously were, were dominant Anaheim, in that game? To our opponent played significantly better. Significantly better. They, they didn't give up much. They checked. They were well prepared. They're, you know... I, I think that team has a chance to go on and win. So we can we can beat our team up a little bit, but we got to give the other team credit. They played a much better game than they did uh, in Edmonton the other day. So um, I'm not going to sit here and poke holes in our group. I'm going to give them credit because they deserve it. There's the final post-game interview with Todd McClellan this season. Oilers lose game 7-2-1 to the Anaheim Ducks. I know we have people eager on hold, Rob, but we should talk about a couple things in there. Well, uh, two sentences in particular that are kind of on the same theme for me. He said early on we came into the playoffs to win, and then later on he said we weren't afraid of the stage. And I, I know this one hurts for Oilers fans. People had their hopes up. You saw the team come a long way. 
And, you know, to, and Todd said Anaheim, you know, played well tonight. You know, you would have hoped to, to see a little more from Edmonton, obviously. But the Oilers team, you know, when they clinched that playoff spot against L.A., I think a lot of people were like, okay, just which way is it going to go? The practice they had the next day was maybe one of the most intense and sharpest practices, probably in the top three that I saw here at Rogers Place all year. And they never they never had the attitude, well, we're the team that ended the drought, fans, so pat us on the bat and we'll go out and four straight in the first round. Uh, I mean, I know that you would have liked another goal tonight, but... Uh, you know, they had that attitude, and I love that he said they weren't afraid of the stage, and that's that's important because they want to be on that stage again in a year. Well, we've talked a lot about the fact that right from training camp that this team has had a belief. They, they believed they were a good hockey club. They believed they were a playoff hockey club, and as the season went on, they didn't just think they were going to make the playoffs. They, they actually believed they were going to go and win the Stanley Cup, and I've been on teams, and not every team has that belief. There's a lot of teams that are, you know what, let's just get into the playoffs and, and hope to get a win or two and, and feel good about ourselves. This is a team that thought and knew that they were good and they knew that they can compete. And this is a team that was built to play and get out of the Western Conference, which means you got to play big, physical, mean, hard-spirited hockey. And they did that. They did it against San Jose and they did it against Anaheim. Uh, they weren't afraid of the big stage. We saw some players step up, huge players, a uh, 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 Benning on the back end, who was outstanding, forced into playing on the first power play unit in game six, played 24 minutes, led the team. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, who emerged, and now the entire National Hockey League is talking about not just a, him as a sidekick, him as a driver. Uh, and a number of players like that have had uh, great playoffs. A Latestu, a Cassian, a Slepeshev, who all of a sudden went from a guy that's going to be in and out of the lineup to a guy that was elevated in the lineup in the final couple games and, and showed his worth. So it, as disappointing as it is for the fans and as disappointing as the game didn't go the way it did, we talked a number of times that this game, the team that gets the most breaks, the, the best bounces, in a, team, in a game between two evenly matched games wins. In the third period, I know that uh, it wasn't as good a third period as you hoped, but Connor McDavid, your best player in the National Hockey League, had the puck on his stick and got two whacks. All he had to do was raise the puck four inches. Raises it four inches over the arm of Gibson. All of a sudden, the others are tied. Slepeshev, an unbelievable tip from the point and a great save by Gibson. And then there was one other one where they had the great opportunity. A Leon backhand. A Leon backhand that actually, it's an inch away from going in. It caught Gibson off guard, and he had to squeeze it between his arm and, the, and his body. So as, as, as much as this, you're thinking, oh, you know what, we missed opportunities. Three chances that the Oilers had, four if you count McDavid's twice, had in the third period. Any of those could have gone in, and that was the bounce that the Oilers didn't get tonight, whereas the big break was the Richie goal on a missed play on the boards uh, by Lucic. That sneaks in past Talbot, and that's the difference in the hockey game. 2-1, the Ducks take it. They move on to play Nashville in the conference final, the Western Conference final. That'll start on Friday night. All right, let's go to the phones. We have Jason as our first caller this evening. Jason, thank you so much for phoning in. Hey, thanks for getting me on, guys. Um, real quick, I wasn't sold on the team completely going into the playoffs here, and uh, as, as time went on, I believe that this was a Stanley Cup team. I thought that um, they matched up worse against Anaheim than any other teams that are left in the playoffs uh, today, or that, that they would match up worse against Anaheim. And that is, uh, and I thought they did enough to win. 
so now when you look at like what went, went wrong, instead of all these, you know, they deserve a lot of accolades, yeah, but when, what went wrong is when you got the, the, the R&H line uh, with Eberle and Pouliot, which is, a, which is a scoring line, which is a line that commands 20% of your salary cap, and it can't score, and 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 it's not a matter of slumping. I mean, there's there's slumping, and then there's being exposed, and and I think they were exposed. A, a couple of those guys, uh, Eberle specifically, uh, I think they're not big game players. I, I don't even know after watching this these playoffs if they're caliber of player who can play at this level. And 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 I question uh, Todd McClellan having that line out there with about three thirty to go. Nooch. Uh, 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 coughed up a terrible puck and just killed all momentum on one play and uh you know just to just to cap it off this line i don't think uh, you know i don't think that these players on this line have any hurt they don't have any uh uh they're mediocre players and and we prop them up as edmontonians all the time you see their jerseys everywhere but like i don't want to see Eberle in an edmonton oilers jersey anymore he's just not an nhl caliber player and frankly well, I think you're wrong there, Jason. He he will be in the NHL. Whether he's going to be an Edmonton Oiler it remains to be seen because there will be changes in the offseason. Uh, but look, Everly and Nugent Hopkins finally played their first playoff games. They played 13 each, and neither one scored. And that's hard to believe. And, well, you know, they were... They, they got a fair bit of ice time most of the time. Uh, Nugent Hopkins clearly was generating more but at mm-hmm. some point it's it's not a try league you have to execute and you know we talked about it during the game rob jordan eberly did he come close to scoring in this series no he, he didn't and i and i said it and it was half jokingly but half not i'm not sure he had a shot on his forehand in the series i know that early in the series he had a couple backhands uh, but he didn't produce the way that he needed to. And, and the calls right now, I disagree with part of it. I do. They are NHL-caliber hockey well, Of course players. they are. And certainly yeah. he's, are. Like, I mean, he's, uh, he's upset. Yeah, I mean, and and he's I, and 30 goal scorer in the National Hockey League. But he, when they needed the most, and and we talked, Bob and I, they had off, off season, bad off or regular seasons. Coming in the playoffs, they have a chance to wipe the board clean and do what they need to do. And they didn't. And if you're in a seven-game series... You go to the seventh game, you lose by one goal. Just think, or along the court, and you lost two other overtime games yep. to the Anaheim Ducks. So there's three one-goal games. If that line could have produced three goals in the series, the Oilers probably win this series. So it's disappointing, uh, and probably you will see changes in the in the off season, and one of those players. Probably will not be back next year. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Oilers lose two one in Game Seven in Anaheim. A bus is on the phone. A bus. Thanks a lot for calling. Hey, Reed. Hey, Rob. How's that? How are you guys doing? Well, we're glad to hear from you. We haven't heard from you since I think the uh, end of the San Jose series. Well, like I said, like I said, guys. Uh, first of all, I gotta say, amazing season. Tough loss. I can handle a two-one loss. I can't handle three-nothing or five-nothing. You know, it's funny that Everly and Hopkins are always the talk of the uh, the media. I mean, they're improving. I understand, but how long do they have on their contract? Everly, Everly for two more, and uh, Nuge for four more. Mm-hmm. What What do you guys think? Uh, 
are they going to be, become orders still next year? Well, this here, that's where the dilemma comes in. So I know we're going to get a lot of calls about both of them, especially about Jordan. Yeah. If you're disappointed in Jordan and the fans are disappointed in Jordan, you've got to move a guy that has two more years left at $6 million. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be easy to move. And Nugent Hopkins, four years at $6 million. Wow. So it, it, it's, it, I don't know how they move it, especially mm-hmm. after you know uh, the playoffs and, and the disappointment of where they were, especially Jordan. And I and I know that Jordan's a better hockey player than we saw in the playoffs and saw in the regular season, but if you're trying to move a player with that big a contract with term left on it, that will not be easy. Yep. Wow. Having said that, I, I wouldn't be, like you said, Rob, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those players is is, is gone. But uh, thanks, Abbas, for calling. 780-496-0063. The Oilers lose 2-1. That means a $25 donation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world, going to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. It's been 25 bucks for every Oilers goal all season long from Booster Juice. Follow the total on 630Ched.com. All right, we have Nolan standing by, 780-496-0063. Hi, Nolan. Hey, what's going on, guys? We're just hanging out in Roger's place, buddy. I think we're the only ones left in the uh, arena part, but I think there's a band in Fort Hall. Oh, I'm not bad. I'm, I'm calling from uh, Barrie, Ontario. I'm a diehard Oilers fan. I uh, grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, and I haven't uh, been out there in probably about uh, eight or nine years. So uh, I, I actually have uh, a couple comments now that I've uh, been living back out, or not back out, but now that I've been living out in Ontario, post-Alberta. I actually, uh, a lot of people, I actually believe myself that Edmonton was one of the loudest buildings in sports entertainment. I haven't been to all of the Canadian or all of the Canadian and all of the uh, National Hockey League arena, but I can say for a fact I've been to Toronto. I've been to Toronto for a playoff game down at their so-called Maple Leaf Square. I've been to Montreal and I've been to Ottawa, and I can damn well tell you guys Edmonton is the loudest sports entertainment out of like what I've seen back in the 06 playoffs that was wild and what I've seen in 2017 it's brought me alive and it gave me something to shut the Leaf fans up in Ontario with and it's been awesome guys it really sucked that we didn't get that last goal there this uh, tonight but uh, it was a tremendous season that's all that's all I gotta say it was awesome and go earlier go it was wonderful well, thanks, Nolan. We appreciate it. We know it's uh, later in Ontario, obviously, so thanks for staying up and listening. We do really appreciate that. But, Rob, we've talked before about the people from across the country and around the world we sometimes hear from. I already had a tweet from somebody in England thanking 630 Chad for uh, allowing him to follow the Oilers from where he lives. So we're always happy to hear from everybody, no matter where you are. Uh, the Oilers lose tonight 2-1. We don't get a Japanese village goal light, unfortunately, to end the season. Whenever the Oilers scored five or more this season, we turned it on on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com, and you could print up a coupon for a free appetizer, Japanese Village, downtown, south side, and north side. Before we go back to the phones, let's just delve into that second period a little bit more, Rob. What did you see that, because look, every team's going to have a spurt. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a couple shifts. Sometimes it might go on for three, four minutes. That was pretty much a 20-minute hem-in by the Anaheim Ducks. What happened? Well, a few things. Anaheim played better. You know, Anaheim is a good hockey club. I mean, they won the division. Uh, they've been a good hockey club for, for a number of years. Uh, they're a proud team on home ice, and they wanted to come out and assert themselves. They did in the second period. The Oilers 
played into it by turning the puck over. And every time they turned the puck over, the Anaheim Ducks jumped on it and started going north again. And the Oilers just got caught, just backtracking, backtracking, backtracking. When you are getting hemmed in, when you are, uh, everything's going against you, the last thing you can do is make poor plays. And the Oilers did a number of times right at their own blue line. Didn't get pucks out. They got to center. They didn't get pucks in. And all of a sudden, you're instead of getting the change that you need, you get stuck out there tired. The Ducks are able to change because they have control of the puck. And now they got a fresh group coming out there. And you're in your end for an extended period of time. That's what happened on the, the first goal, the Cogliano goal. The Oilers have the puck on their stick. They're now nurses at the hash marks. If he flips the puck yeah. out, they can change. Everything is good. Instead, he brings the puck back to a tired Griba. The Ducks had changed, and they have a whole new group coming out. They come in with fresh players, fresh forecheck, and now they're stuck in, in their own zone, and you're just playing with fire. So to me, it was Anaheim had their push, and the Oilers played into it by turning the puck over way too many times. 2-1, Anaheim takes it. Cogliano and Richie getting the goals for Anaheim. Kajula had an early goal in this game, just 3:31 in. That gave the Oilers a 1-0 lead. They were not able to add to it. Richie, Cogliano, and Cam Talbot are the three stars. Our fourth star of the game is for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. You can check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Uh, to me, I thought Benoit Pouliot, who's been much maligned all season long, uh, I thought he had a good game. He was noticeable. In a game where the Oilers weren't noticeable a lot in the offensive zone, I thought Benoit Pouliot had a good hockey game. He led the Oilers in this game with four shots on goal. Anaheim out shooting Edmonton 30-24. 780-496-0063. We'll bring in Brent to the show. Brent, you're on with Robin Reed. Hello. Hi. Hey, I was just, uh, I texted in after games four and five, and I said, well, uh, yeah, they weren't hitting, they weren't assertive, they weren't... Uh taking the play to the Ducks at all, and of course they lost both of those games. And then after game six, when they started out that way, and they really took the play to them, they were hitting everything that moved. Uh, everything worked out really well, and I'm just kind of wondering, uh, well, yeah, I know that they uh, they weren't able to get the, keep the puck in. They weren't able to get the puck out. Like when uh, we had a guy stand on the side of the board waiting for the puck, their defenseman would jump right in and say, hey, I'm going to beat you to the puck. What happened in game seven that they weren't able to keep up their assertiveness and uh, take the play to Anaheim instead of just sitting back and waiting for it to come to them because it really came at them hard? Well, I, I think that Todd McClellan said it best. Anaheim was better, for one. Uh, the, the Anaheim was absolutely atrocious in game six. Now, the Oilers were good, and they were physical, and they came out and they got the goals, but Anaheim's goaltender was terrible to start the game in, in game six. Uh, the Oilers got the jump on them, and they just fell apart, and Anaheim could do nothing right. Tonight, Anaheim was good, and they were very good. And, and the Oilers, a lot of it, when we talked about earlier, is they were turning the pucks over, and they weren't getting it in when they wanted to. Eventually, when they did get it across the red line, they had to change because they were tired for spending so much time in their own zone, which allowed Anaheim to get out. And you are right. The Oilers did not get very much traction in the offensive zone. There were maybe three extended periods where the Oilers had a forecheck and got the cycle going and had good chances. Anaheim did a good job moving the puck out. They did a good job with back pressure. Um, and their goalie had, he had to make three big saves in the third period, and he did. So, yep. and, and having said all of that, it was a 2-1 hockey game. 
So it, it wasn't the Oilers. I don't know if it was. It wasn't their best game, but they still it was a two-one hockey game in Game Seven in the other team's barn. Where if they got one more bounce, one more break, we could still be watching hockey right now in overtime. Yeah, and I, you know, that's a, that's a great question, and I think it just shows too. I mean, how even teams that are close. You know, one team can dominate. Todd's used the term a lot about playing on their toes. And you knew Anaheim was going to be. I mean, when the game is 7-1 at this level, one team's had a good night and yeah. one team's had a poor night. I mean, if one team plays average and the other team plays good, it's it's 4-1 or 4-2. But yes. when it's 7-1, something's happened. So Anaheim responded. I mean, they have, they got in on the four-check. And then I think, too, Rob, then you're creating that situation where like you said with the Oilers, either A, they're turning over pucks, and, and not only did Nurse throw it back to a tired drive on the goal, he originally skated into two Anaheim players. Yes. Like, he he boxed himself in, and then if you are getting the puck out, all you're doing is changing. Yes. Right, because you've spent 30 seconds in your own zone, you scrape it across center ice, and all you can do is flip it in. So that's, that's why the Oilers were able to come in waves for 40 minutes. The first 40 minutes on... Uh, on Sunday, and Anaheim was able to do it for certainly the middle 20 and at times even in the last 20 tonight. Yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, and once Anaheim got the lead early in the third period, uh, they just played a very strong defensive game. It was just f- get to center, flip it in, flip it in, flip it in, and then have five guys back and clog up the neutral zone. Anaheim didn't dominate the third period. I don't know what the final shots were, but they were fairly close in the third period. Uh, eight seven for Edmonton. Yeah, so it wasn't. It was the second period where Not the as many as Edmonton needed. Yeah. yeah, and Edmonton they just Anaheim is a very good defensive team. They were in what the top five in the National Hockey League during the regular season. Like they're a good defensive hockey club, and once they got the lead, the Oilers were in trouble. And the one thing that I thought both teams were very good today is discipline. They did not allow the other team's power play to take control. The refs put the whistle away a little bit on both sides. The, the Ducks should have had a five-on-three in uh, I don't know, a period. That was the first or second period when they when one of the Oilers broke Perry's stick in half with a slash. Um, Maroon tackled a defenseman on one play. And there was a couple opportunities where the Ducks should have been penalized too, but I thought the refs did a good job, and I thought both teams did a very good job staying disciplined. And if you're Evan, we're talking, I was talking to the coach of Grant McEwen today, Bram, and he said, if you're ever going to bet on a hockey game in game seven, bet the under. Because neither team wants to have a big mistake. Yeah, neither, exactly. So it's very, it played very close to the vest. You're, you're, both teams are they're nervous. They don't want to be the GOAT. So it's always going to be a low-scoring game. As you saw Pittsburgh win 2-0. You saw Ducks win 2-1. That's the way game sevens are usually played. 2-1, the Ducks take it. Major Bennett is our next caller, 780-496-0063. Major Bennett, go ahead. Major oh. Bennett, do we have you? You betcha. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. Thank you for calling. Thank you very much. Uh, first and foremost, I would like to challenge every single real Oilers fan tomorrow to wear our sweaters. Because I am damn proud. Very Hello. good. Very good. I agree with you, too. It was, a, it was a great year for the Edmonton Oilers. I am damn proud. I am so proud. I mean, be honest with you, sir, I, I cried tonight. I cried, right? And um, I've had a few pints. I mean, who wouldn't tonight? I mean, I was so goddamn nervous. I'm, you know, and I had this... Uh, 
individual uh, that I work with now, he said, get it together. I'm like, what do you mean, get it together? My family has been Oilers fans since the beginning. So I challenge every Oilers fan to wear their sweaters with pride, just like we did in Afghanistan. Pardon me, well, you know what I mean? Those boys lifted our spirits. What do you think? Well, we appreciate that. I, I mean, I think a lot of people probably will uh, still show their Oilers pride uh, tomorrow. I mean, as 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 we've said, you're you're one goal away from from tying this game, or one save away, and a goal away from maybe winning in regulation time, or or taking it to to, to overtime. I, I I mean, look, there are eight teams left. Uh, you know, so the Oilers finished eighth overall in the regular season. They made the final eight in the playoffs. They were beaten by a goal by a team who finished two points ahead of them. I mean, you could almost say that it, it, it worked out the way it was supposed to. They were 29th last year, so I, th- I think the improvement was... It was certainly more than I expected. You know, I, I, I mm-hmm. thought that there were steps that were definitely going to be taken this season, but there, were, there was more improvement. I, I didn't think the Oilers were going to make the playoffs, quite frankly. No, I, I thought you, they'd win maybe 37, 38 games. I agree. Missed by five or six points, and, and you'd say, okay, maybe next year is the year they, they end the drought. Major Bennett, thanks a lot for calling. we got to take a quick timeout. If you're on hold, stay there. We do have a couple of open lines, 780-496-0063. More post-game reaction coming up. Final edition of the season. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio 630. Chad. Leon drives settle down the middle. Reshot score! McDavid backhands it toward the empty net and score! Thank you, Oilers. At Oilers Radio, 6:30, Chad. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6:30, Chad. Defensive zone could not get it in deep. Big hit from behind. Sets up Raquel. What a save by Talbot, point blank. And the Oilers are able to shovel the rebound up the right hand side. There's your save of the game for Armor Insurance. Complete a free quote for a $10 Tim card at armorinsurance.ca. Cam Talbot, 28 saves on 30 shots. John Gibson, 23 saves on 24 shots. And the Ducks edge the Oilers 2-1 in Game 7. Thanks for joining us. It's 11.40 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. We'll have more post-game, post-game reaction from the Oilers dressing room in a couple of minutes here. But we have lots of calls, 780-496-0063. And we have Sava on the line. Sava, did you go to the game tonight? Yes, I did, unfortunately. We just sat, uh, sat in the car. We're leaving here now. All right. Are you Milan Lucic's cousin? Is that true? No, 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 no. It's my buddy that I go with. I'm Serbian also. Okay. So, uh, we're part of the same tribe, but I'm here. Uh, my buddy that's in the car right now, he's uh, Milan Lucic's cousin. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know you guys are yeah. disappointed. What's on your mind? No, no, I just want to, I don't know if you guys did the four-star already, but I, I would give it to the Edmonton Oilers fans that flew down from Edmonton for the couple games, that, or what, how many games they came down here. The bar across the street was totally packed. Everyone was great. It was fun. This is my first game seven I've been to, and it was a great experience. Uh, Anaheim fans were actually nice, I guess, to put it, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you could have, like, bad fans, and, you know, 
drunk people want to get the fights and all that stuff. But they were all well behaved. Every it was great. But yeah, the Edmonton Oilers fans that came down and uh, we were part in with over here, it was a really great experience. Um, it sucks that it's over, but you know, eh, it is what it is. But yeah, my four star would be for the Oilers fans. Well, I can't argue with so. that. Can't argue with that. Yeah. Well said, Sava. Thanks well, so thank for calling. For, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you guys for. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say thank you guys for everything all year. Um, can't wait until October, I guess. Talk to you guys then. Yeah, I think the attitude going into the season is going to be a lot different than the ones we've ex- experienced before. But uh, it'll be a different team. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think now the expectation will be to be in the playoffs, not to try to be as close as possible. No, I, I, I think the expectations to, to win a division, the expectations to go far in the playoffs, they've got a taste now. They know what it takes to get there. They know what it takes once they get there. Um, they've got a very good young core that uh, learned this year, learned how to win. they got a team that seems to enjoy playing with each other. they got a quiet confidence about them, not a cockiness, but a confidence. And they, they've got good goaltending. They're very good on the back end now. And up front, they've got either one of the best center right wing combinations or they got one of the best first line, second line, center combinations. So this team is moving forward. It's just going to take uh, a few months for the sting to go away, and that sting might still be there in September when they come back for training camp. 780-496-0063. We'll welcome James to the program. Hello, James. Hello. Go ahead. Okay. Um, hold on. Okay, so uh, I know some fans like to think that the players play for the fans and the city, but the reality but, but the reality is the players don't care at all about the fans. The vast majority of NHL players take their job for granted. Aside from superstars like Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby, who have a lot of pressure on them to perform good, when people make multi-million dollar salaries for playing in the NHL, they think that they can do whatever they want. They don't care at all if they have a bad game, a bad season. Now, why, James, why would you call it on a night like this and say that? Because, like... Eberle and Nugent Hopkins just don't care that they, like, create turnovers and blah, blah, blah. They make millions of dollars. Why would they care? So that's the only reason teams lose is because players don't care. Yeah, like, partly. Do you think Ryan Getzlaff cares? Ryan Getzlaff thinks he's, like, he's full of himself. I hate that guy. Does he care, though? Does Does he care? He wants to beat the Oilers. He hates the Oilers. So he cares then. So that's the only reason they won Game Seven because they now they were playing the Oilers, but in the previous Game Sevens they lost. He didn't care enough. So that's your argument. I'm just saying if Ryan Getzlaff like creates a turnover that gets that results in a game-winning goal, he's like, oh, I make like whatever million dollars. I, that you, you know what? I I disagree with everything you said. Everything you said was wrong. The reason these guys are playing where they are and making the money they that they do make is because they care. They're the ones that are in the the gym seven days a week in the off season. They're the ones that gave up things as kids, as teenagers, because they had to become the players that they are. They had to, they moved away from home at young ages. They're, their training is, I've seen them training. I couldn't do the stuff when I played in the National Hockey League. I couldn't train the way that these guys train nowadays. So no, I disagree with everything you said there. Not one of it was right. Well, it's nice that we have a definitive winner for worst call of the season right at the end of the year. Let's go back to Anaheim and hear from the former Duck, Patrick Maroon. This is, should be a proud group in here. This is an unbelievable group. The things we've 
did this year were truly amazing and we gave the fans something that were behind us for so many years, something to cheer about and the fans should be proud of themselves too, certainly as the players. Hard to appreciate it now maybe, but is there an overall sense that this is a team that's trending upwards, maybe the best is, is yet to come for this group? Oh yeah, the future's bright. The future's bright for this team. Uh, the guys should be looking around and seeing what, a, what an accomplishment we had this year of, you know, second round and to game seven to one game away to going to the conference finals. Uh, but it obviously really does sting. This is a heartbreaker. Uh, you never want to lose these games. Like Luke said, we had them. We had them. We should have won the series before to, before it got led to game seven, but we can't really look upon that. We got to just, you know, give each other some credit. We did a really good job this year. Uh, what does this team learn about itself, especially in the playoffs? That we're a really good hockey team. And that we can do some damage in the f near future. Uh, we can, like, we have some really good players in this room that can, that are game changers and that can take this team to a Stanley Cup and win a Stanley Cup. Uh, so, you know, obviously we fell short this year, but we got to find ways to uh, have a really good offseason. Uh, you know, spend some time with your family and regroup and recharge and know what's at stake next year because I, I know we can do it next year. I know we can go just as far next year and, and not just losing. All right, that's Patrick Maroon, who obviously had a career year in the regular season. His team coming up short 2-1 in Game 7 to the Anaheim Ducks, who advanced to play Nashville in the West Final. That already starts Friday. We will have play-by-play -play of all the Conference Final and Stanley Cup games for you on 6.30. Chad, as we look at the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard, Pittsburgh beats Washington 2-0, so it's Pittsburgh and Ottawa on the other side of the draw, and in the Western Hockey League Final tonight, Seattle over Regina, 6-1. Series now tied 2-2. I guess the Regina players didn't care enough tonight. 780-496-0063. Is this our regular Cam calling in tonight? How's it going, boys? Cam, I'm glad you called. Go ahead, man. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll, I'll save the thank you to the end here for the season, but um, just from the hockey perspective, I thought that, Rob, you nailed it. The entries weren't there tonight. Um, and I'm just talking hockey just for the sake of it because, uh, you know, I just want to talk about the game a little bit. But I thought that um, the exits weren't there. Our high, high guy on the strong side just wasn't engaged. There was just too much loose space um, at the top of the circles. And just, you know, it was just, it was just, it was almost, I hate to say it was almost minor hockey-ish at times. And uh, whatever, it's the way it was. But, you know, I thought that the energy of the turnovers, um, there was just, there was, a lot of loose sloppy stuff in our end just that light stuff that we were doing five weeks ago six weeks ago that disappeared a lot of that comes from pressure and and anaheim played well i thought we reverted to individualism at times tonight and and didn't take advantage of the big bodies getting the pucks to the net and we i thought we reverted back to where we were five weeks ago as well and as far as the contract situation that was touched upon um, I think you have to look at addition by subtraction, even if it meets eat, means eating, eating some money. I think it's just important to get the, the young, some of the young, a new young guy or fresh guy in here to take take one of those guys' roles, even if you have to suck it up 
contractually. So, you know, if you guys could maybe you know talk about that, how that looks. And then the final thing, I thought Talbot was so energetic and so so energetic that maybe he was overplaying stuff a little bit tonight, a little bit out of himself. Um, wasn't as you know sort of disciplined in his in his game fundamentally, but whatever. I mean, it's just he's, it's a learning experience for him. But the final thing I want to say is I want to thank you guys very much. Um, this team is very enjoyable to watch and very enjoyable to participate as a fan uh, in in things. And you know, your call-in shows are tremendous. Reed, I want to give you a lot of credit. I mean, you do an awesome job facilitating this show. Uh, your, your producers are unbelievable. People in the dressing room, the interviews are, are top-notch, so I want to thank you for that. And Rob, I've always um, really appreciated your humility and just really can't say enough about how much um, I, I would just put your analysis against anybody in the world at this game. I'm not trying to embarrass you or anything like that. <laughs> I just, I just mean, but I mean that sincerely. I, I really think that your analysis is as good as anything I've ever heard in in, in the game. Well, thank you very much. So, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, boys, it's been unreal. Like you know, it's just it's hard following the team when you're you you live away because um, not everybody likes the Oilers. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but I, I can assure you, the respect for the Oilers is there, and and I'm just excited. The final thing I want to say is Todd McClellan's a good coach. You know, if you're getting it five. Five out of ten, and the guy across from you is getting a five out of ten. Um, you know, it's the guy that gets the six out of ten, seven out of ten, and he just everything kind of makes sense with him. He just seems like he's doing a good job. Sort of the scouts to him, to everybody else. Thanks for a great season, and really hope that everybody stays safe and blessed through the off season. I hope we can all do this again in October. So. Awesome, Cam. Well, thanks for the kind words, and thanks for being one of our regulars. We always enjoy uh, hearing from you. You make uh, you make good points, uh, and I mean, I thought he, you know he was kind of building on some of the stuff you said, Rob. But definitely, I mean, if you talk about the details of that game, and it's a space we've talked about, what happens just inside either blue line, or I mm-hmm. guess if you're attacking, just you know outside the blue line if you're trying to get it in. And the Oilers didn't win that area tonight. They no. flat out didn't. No, they didn't. And and. I know that he touched on it a little bit, the the pressure and the nervousness. And there were times tonight, and I know players never going to admit that there was nerves. Ever. There were times tonight where little things that are normally uh, things that you see the Oilers have success with, uh, they didn't. I mean, there was a, one time Nuge was coming on the ice. He called it an interference penalty because he got hammered right afterwards. But the puck's coming. He's got control of it, kind of fumbles it and loses it. At the very end, dry settle. 99% of the time that pass McDavid gives, it wasn't the best pass, but Drysdale is normally able to pull that puck from up to his feet, to his stick, and he hits the guy in the back door. So there probably was a little bit of nerves you know, in the Oilers tonight when the game got going, and especially when they fell behind. But to me, again, as, as disappointing as it is, and uh, people are going to find the negatives in this game, it was, it was a one-bounce game. And the Ducks got one better bounce than the Oilers did. And in the third period, there was three great opportunities for the Oilers to tie this game up. They just weren't able to. And seven-game series, seventh game is a one-goal game. It was two evenly matched teams. And over the course of this series, the Anaheim Ducks just got a, a bounce or two more. And because of that, they're going on to play the Nashville Predators. And that'll start on Friday at 7, and we'll broadcast the game on 6.30. Chet, all right, we have Colin on the phone line. Colin, good to hear from you. You're going to be our Finish the Play contestant, but first, what's on your mind? Hey, I just wanted to just say a couple things about the Oilers here tonight. Uh, 
you know, first of all, you know, they've exceeded everybody's expectations miles above. You know, they went from being like a bottom half division team like to to being in the top. So who can who can complain with that? Second thing I wanted to say is that uh you know, I, I felt for the last four or five years this has been a persistent issue that we have a trouble with showing up and playing a full sixty minutes of hockey whether it's being offensive or defensive in any aspect of the game, I feel like we have trouble playing that full 60 minutes to the way that we need to. So I don't know. I I'm proud of the boys and that's never going to leave our hearts here in Edmonton. But, uh, you know, I just want to see that area of improvement and Todd McClellan's the guy to do that. He doesn't focus on the negative. He focuses on the positive and he pushes his team through. So props to that. Well, that's very true. And I, and I think, I think attitude-wise, and, and don't hang up, Colin, because you're going to finish the play. I think attitude-wise, Todd has made an impact starting with baby steps two years ago. Don't fold your hand and, you know, stay in the game, all that kind of stuff. And I think strategically, and Rob, you, you have a deeper understanding of, of it than I do, but I really thought we start to see more of it this year. You know, with and I, th- I honestly thought we saw more of it with the way they attacked this year. Guys moving around, the way defensemen would get off in the offensive zone. They'd have all five guys moving, giving defensemen the the green light to keep plays alive because they knew that our forward was moving his feet to cover, and that's how they scored. Because Benning jumped down and kept that puck alive, and he was right down inside the hash mark. Yeah, the Oilers are a team that they use five guys in both ends of the rink. And there's years gone by where you'd be in the offensive zone and be three guys down there by themselves and the, the defensemen weren't able to jump in the play or weren't given the opportunity to jump in the play. Well, this year, uh, you'll, you'll see times where uh, I remember one game where Lucic brought the puck all the way out of the corner up across the blue line and both D-men had darted towards the net and there's Milan Lucic on the blue line by himself. That's not something we'd seen in the past. So he's given them the, the players the opportunity and because they've got the opportunity, they have the confidence offensively. Defensively, I think the Oilers, it, it's night and day. Well, yeah. Now, obviously, they've got better players than they've had in the past, but you do not see the, the, the bonehead plays or the lost coverages or the miscommunications that we've seen in the past. There's always going to be mistakes. Both teams made mistakes tonight. Unfortunately for the Oilers, they made a couple more, and that's why they lost. But I think Todd McClellan, A, is technically very, very sound. But to me, the biggest one is he's got the players to buy in. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy to get to a bunch of guys to do things that they don't want to do and do it on a consistent basis. And we saw that tonight. So that's on Todd and the leadership group for the Edmonton Oilers. That's our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better with help from your chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Now, Colin, finish the play. You've already won an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set We Park. Park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com. If you're right, you can be entered into the grand prize draw for $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Kellen, what do you have for the clue? The point shot by Manson. That hit a man loose in front. Okay, so that was a chance by the Ducks in the second period, and it was a defenseman that actually kept the puck out of the net, not Talbot. Was it, oh. was it Russell or Sekera? I'm going to say it's Russell tonight there because uh, Secker is out of the lineup. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, boys. Come on. I was expecting something harder than that. It's come the last one of the last year. One. I wanted we, you to win. We needed a winner. Well, one time I gave the choices as uh, a current Oiler defenseman, I can't remember who it was, or Charlie Huddy was the other choice. And I think the guy actually thought about he it. He did. He hemmed and hot on that one. <laughs> 
Kellen, do you want to play the full clue if you have it? The point shot by Manson. That hit a man loose in front. And what a play! Vermette denied a great play by Chris Russell. Who uh, I thought had a pretty good game yep. tonight. And how much did he wind up pl uh, playing? Played 20-45. The Oilers' ice time leader was Oscar Clefbaum at 25-15. And, again, talking about how, how close it is. And, look, I'm not trying to take anything away from the Oilers, but it's so close. Who knows if Joe Thornton has a knee in the first round? You know, yeah. who, who, who knows if Andre Secker plays tonight? You know, the, the little things that... that that uh, that can make a difference. Now I know Anaheim had guys out too. Patrick Eves had a heck of a yes. season. He's out. You know, if if the Oilers win two one, they're saying they're the probably thing, saying, yes. what if Patrick Eves uh, gets a chance with five minutes left and tie? You know, like it's it's the, such a fine margin. It is, but one of the things, and you, you don't wish it upon the Oilers, and, and it hurt not having Secker in the lineup, and then losing Clefbaum for for Game Six. You got to see some younger players step up. And I think that there's there's so many positives, and, and I, you and I have talked about it a lot. And I'm a huge uh, Benning, Matthew Benning booster, and, and I thought he, he took great strides this year. And at one point, you know, early in the year, you know, he's going to be a six-seven defenseman, and is he going to be here the whole year? Now you think, oh, this guy's got the potential to be a top-four guy that can run a power play. So we saw a lot of players take huge strides forward this year. It was a very successful season for the Edmonton Oilers. They did not reach their goal, which is the goal that every team has. That's winning the Stanley Cup. But going into next season, there's a belief around here now that this Oiler team is now good. It's not we hope they're good. We wish they were good. We now believe they are good. And let's see how far they can go. All right. You can get us at 780-496-0063. If you're on hold, stay there. We are going to talk to everybody who wants to talk to us tonight. But we haven't given you news and weather in a while. So we want to do that here at midnight. And we'll be back in uh, four minutes tomorrow morning. I can say it's still 11.59. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line. Oilers lose 2-1 in Game 7. It's Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chad. This report brought to you by PF Custom Countertops. Breakfast in your old kitchen, dinner in your new. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Pitching in his bending right-hand side. And the Northeastern product will put it back behind the end on net. Came back in front. Score! Edmonton's taking a 1-0 lead. A friendly bounce and Gibson bowled over. And the Oilers right on cue have scored at 3 and there's the final goal of the Edmonton Oilers season. Drake Kajula, his third of the playoffs, gave the Oilers a 1-0 lead, but Cogliano in the second period, Richie in the third, and the Ducks beat Edmonton 2-1 to eliminate Edmonton in Game 7 of their second-round series. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, good morning. It's 12.06. We're inside Rogers Place. We were here for the Orange Crush road game watch party so we're broadcasting eight stories above uh, the ice surface which i guess will be coming out pretty soon unbelievable though the atmosphere in here and just for the for the oilers the fans and everything that went on this year and then through the playoffs you and i are sitting in a booth in an arena that has got nothing going on that sold out in two minutes. What, yeah. what is it? What is it? 18,000 plus? Last game. Yeah, yeah 18,000 yeah. plus to come watch a Jumbotron. 
And for those of you that weren't here, uh, we watched the wave. We watched standing ovations. Uh, this place was crazy loud. Anytime the others had an opportunity or looked like they had an opportunity, uh, you there was more fans here watching a jumbotron than there were in other cities watching live games. So a credit to the fans and a credit to the city uh, falling in love with the Oilers again. And I think this is a love that's going to last quite a while now because this Oiler team has the makings of being a very good team for a very long time. All right, you can get us at 780-496-0063. We'll welcome Tony to the show. Tony, good to hear from you. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. So I have a few uh, comments here, and since um, Tony, we're having trouble hearing you. Kellen, just quickly check that connection. While you're doing that, why don't we uh, bring in the Connor McDavid interview? Here's the Oilers captain from Anaheim. Uh, you know, not too sure what it is. Um, you know, I think uh, they're ready to go tonight. Uh, you know, we got the start we wanted, but we just kind of sat back after that, and, and they were able to capitalize on a few chances. Is it possible for you guys to maybe have the same kind of mixed emotions that your fans will have, like looking forward to how good this team could be when, when tonight is so fresh? Yeah, obviously it's going to take some time to get over it. Um, you know, but I think there's there's a lot of positives we can take from this year. Um, you know, we, we won't have to answer that experience question anymore, which is nice. Um, you know, come next season, um, you know, we'll find ourselves in, in a similar spot, and um, you know, we'll. Uh, be able to look back on this and and you'll feel that disappointment and and you'll know what uh what that's like and and you know how much it sucks i don't really think that your game series or i guess this series just overall what, what do you think could you you think you could have done anything more what what, what, what are your main takeaways uh i'm gonna just talk about our team and we battled hard our, our up and down the lineup we 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 battled hard. Uh, that's a good team over there. Um, I don't think many many people gave us much of a chance this series to, to even take it seven. And, and quite honestly, um, you know, we, we might not have even should have been at seven. So, um, you know, team battled hard. Like I keep saying, um, you know, it's just frustrating right now. I know it's hard to take that big picture view, but with what you guys have accomplished this year, is this you think in your mind the start of something special? Could be. Yeah, I think uh, you look at any team that that has won and, and you know been good for, for all these years. Uh, you know, they start with a disappointment and, and you know, we've done that. Um, you know, we took a huge step forward if if you know, we told you that you know we, we would have taken the duck seven in, in the second series um, in September. I don't think anyone would have believed us for a second and um, you know, we managed to do that and, and you know, we can hold our heads high about that but um, you know, obviously it's not the outcome we wanted. Uh, you know, we believed in this group and um, yeah, but we'll be back. Um, yeah. Did you feel like you had a tough time finding the time and space that you needed to operate in the last couple of games? Uh, We're going to have Coach go for you with your guys. So. Uh, oh, well, I'm going to keep on the theme of our team, and, and you know we, we we gave everything we had at it and just came up a little bit short. All right, that's Connor McDavid weighing in from Anaheim. The Oilers beaten 2-1 by the Ducks in Game 7. All right, let's go back to Tony. I think we got that connection ironed out. Tony, let's see if we can hear you this time. How you guys doing tonight? Good. So I have a few comments, and because it's the last overtime open line, first one is I think, in my opinion, and you guys can disagree with me on this, Edmonton won it in five. 
the fact <laughs> the, the fact that the, it, honestly the thing that really basically um, screwed us over was the refing. Game five, it was just I don't like I don't know what the the refs are thinking, um, but in my opinion, and I may get a lot of hate, and I really don't care, but in my opinion, we won this in five. The two game five, game four, and five were the refs games, not the Ducks. Um, the the couple the other thing is, you know, everybody's been talking about you know off season and you know contracts. I don't mean to be a hater on certain players, but Everly, you know, he didn't. He basically was non-existent. He had two assists in twelve and eight games. I think if. I think the Oilers will. Like honestly, I do think the Oilers will make the playoffs next year. But we need more veteran leadership than just a few guys. Like there are a lot of free agents coming out onto the market in the next by you know on the on the market. And I think that we need to start dumping these six million dollar, four million dollar, however many million dollar contracts, and start thinking. You know, we made it this far, and we had this team. Imagine what we could have. When, when we have guys who can actually perform. At, at first, I thought Nuge was one too, but honestly, he, he, surprised me, he surprised me this postseason. He did a great job in, you know, actually stepping up to the plate. But Pouliot and Eberle are two contracts I think that we should really look for, look at when it comes to the offseason. Well, I, I think clearly those are two players that, you know, were highly criticized throughout the year. Uh, you know, Pouliot actually, I, I think... I, I mean, he's he's not he's overpaid for what he was playing, but at least he kind of found a role in the playoffs, killing penalties and playing in the bottom six. But he's paid like a second line player, so we'll see what happens there. I mean, we we talked about earlier. Everly had a completely underwhelming playoff after in, in an every, underwhelming season. Yeah, in, absolutely in every yeah. way. So, but but then again, again, what do you do? It's he's got twelve million dollars owed to him over the next two years. Yeah. That won't be easy to move, so they they may have to get creative. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll bring Greg onto the show. Greg, thanks for calling. Hey guys, how's it going? Doing well. Uh, you guys got to screen your callers because uh, um, maybe you should screen mine too. But that guy who was saying you guys do a good job, what you do, I disagree with. First off, <laughs> jokes. Uh, and second of all, the guy who was uh, talking about the hockey and and them not caring. Like, has that guy ever played a game of hockey in his life? Because you can do everything you can do on the ice and be in the right position, but if the other guys on your line are doing what they need to do, it doesn't make a difference. So I just wanted to say that real quick. But uh, also the other thing is um, the game, I thought, overall was a good game. The ref, ref let the goal on both sides. Talbot made a bunch of 10-bell saves to keep them into it. McDavid, um, you know, right after Anaheim scored, uh, he could have, he had three whacks at it to get in there. If that would have went in, it would have been a different game. So, all in all, um, I just think that, um, you know, I'm not disappointed with, uh, you know, the Oilers losing tonight. Yeah. I mean, I would have been happy if they would have won, but they overexceeded this year. And it was a good year for them. It was a successful year for them, and it, and it's a learning experience. And they they have the playoff experience now, and it's it's time to move forward from that. Um, the other thing is is uh, when Anaheim started playing the trap, uh, the Oilers didn't adjust their game to to you know they kept trying to break through the neutral zone with speed instead of you know um, just trying to you know pass it up, dump it in, chase it down, and then forecheck, which is what made them successful for the. Uh, 
the well game seven and and when they when they put the ducks on the on their heels um they 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 were successful so all in all though i'm i'm you know happy with uh the the season the others had this year and the one last thing i want to say before i go is um I'm just happy that Getzlaff didn't get any penalties this series because, uh, well, clearly he's the best player in the NHL. So, all right, we appreciate that, Greg. He uh, definitely deserved a couple. I uh, think that was a little sarcastic. Yeah, there. no kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I will say thanks for calling, Greg. I, I, I will say Tony was it Tony that said the Oilers won the series in five. Yes. I, I, I mean. I'm not going to go that far, but I just hope they take a look at the video review process. They because, have to. Because the goalie interference call at the end of Game 5, and I know the Oilers had a 3 nothing lead, and they should have put it away. I, I totally get that. But I don't like to see that as a hockey fan, whether it happens to the team I'm covering or not. Well, the, the hard part for me is, I mean, I played pro for 16 years, and I've been doing this now for 11 years. I don't understand the rule anymore. Right. I mean, I normally, when you and I do watch the game, we can tell very quickly in the first 15 seconds that's going to be a goal, that's going to be a no goal. And for the longest time, you know, we were right at about a 95 to 98% clip. Now I have no idea. Uh, no idea because the, the two in game four, and the, or sorry, the one in game four and the one in game five, they were clearly non-goals. So I, they have to do something because it, I'm befuddled. The, the players are befuddled. They have no idea what the call, which way the call should go or not go. And then now you're challenging. And you're challenging something that you know in your heart that you're challenging right and you're going to win. You lose. Now you're losing a timeout as well. So you get a slap in the face with the fact that the ref made the wrong call and now they just took a timeout away from you because the ref made the wrong call. So I agree there's got to be something done because right now it's cost teams games, it's cost teams wins here in the playoffs. And something's going to happen in the final two rounds when the stakes, yeah, stakes are even higher. So that's going to be picked apart as well. All right, if you're on hold, we are going to get to you. It's 12-16. The Oilers fall in Game 7-2-1. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers this Radio. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. For tuning in, it's 12:20 Thursday morning. The Edmonton Oilers have been eliminated from the postseason. 2-1, the Ducks taking game seven. The Oilers had a 2-0 series lead. The Ducks rallied to go up 3-2. Anaheim then was blown out by the Oilers here in game six. But then the Ducks win on home ice, 2-1. The final, you got to give them credit. They had to win four out of five to win the series. And, and they, they did. figured it out. Yeah, couple overtime games, and it also shows you too how, I mean, how close this could have been going back the other way. I mean, the Oilers win the first two on the road, and then there there's two overtime games. Uh, you throw in the fact they gave up a three goal lead in the last three minutes of a game. They lose a, a game seven by one goal. Any of those where they Oilers can get one bounce going the other way. Anytime you lose a one-goal game, usually the game has been played pretty close. So you get one more break, one more bounce, one more save. You're the winner that night. That's how the close the Oilers were from moving on to the next round, which would have been an incredibly exciting series between the National Predators and the Oilers. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wait probably for another year to see that happen. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Steve on the line. Hi, Steve. Hey, how are you? Doing great. Good, good. I'm just going to address the uh, elephant in the room. Um, this series should have been done. 
Um, the officiating in San Jose was uh, bad, but the officiating in uh, the Ducks series, well, this series was like abysmal. So, um, how do you uh, like? What do you guys say about uh, officiating going forward? Well, I, I, again, to me, it was that one call. Uh, I, I mean, there were other things, but you can you can look at things both ways. It, it, it's just like Rob and I were talking about. To me, it's the video review. Figure out. A, give the referees bigger screens if they're going to look in the penalty box. Figure out who's going to make the final call. Maybe somebody in Toronto should do it or New York, wherever they're going to be set up, should do it and and then proceed from there. I mean, to me, getting it wrong in or having screw-ups in one season is not a crime. But if it, if they continue with the same format and things keep happening, then that's the real shame in my mind. Yeah, two straight games. It was uh, yeah, we got robbed, basically. No, you're right. It, it's disappointing, and especially when at season's end, uh, you're on the losing end of of the series. When you look back and say, "Well, we should have won that game because Perry did interfere with Talbot. We should have won that game because Kessler did grab Talbot's leg." Uh, and it's just an, uh, unfortunate that sometimes uh, an outside influence influences a hockey game and that did in a couple times yeah we appreciate it steve seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three we have fred standing by hey fred go ahead well reed my prediction came so close but so far away i thought they'd go to stanley cup final and i was you know one game away from that but you know what you do uh everybody's talking about video replay now get rid of video replay get rid of the two referee system and bring andy van helmen out of retirement <laughs> that's what i do personally because he's the best referee of all time but you know what this team is very close to taking that next step i think there may be one or two players away and look who we got coming on d we got ethan bear and caleb jones uh look what ethan bear is doing in the playoffs right now he's amazing and i think he's playing with a broken hand right now yeah he, he does have a hand in yeah he's out. he's a few years away before you're going to see him up here in edmonton but the oilers even still they do have a very good defensive core right now they've got depth on defense which they have not had uh, in forever yes yeah, so this this team it's all positives and once we get past the disappointment of the game seven loss we start getting excited about what this team can do in the future and you know what uh as far as the forwards if that one line with the uh 12 million dollar player and the four million dollar player would have done anything at all we wouldn't be in this situation but uh we got a great gm in place i think the proper moves are going to be made in the off season and you know what the future is very bright hey we almost made it to the conference finals we're so close and you got to lose or learn how to lose before you can win and i'm pretty sure connor and the boys be back next year and i'm predicting next year reed <laughs> conference finals how's that all right sounds good fred we appreciate you calling throughout the season uh as well it was a great year for camp talbot he set a new record for wins in the regular season he had two playoff shutouts against san jose back to anaheim here's the oilers goaltender yeah i mean like i said you could see how much we grew as a group but individually we've grown just as much leon was uh was a man out there in the playoffs and he was our best player night in and night out um benning like you said uh really stepped up a couple games ago when we really needed him to and 
and you need that from from some of the young guys. Drake came up with a couple of big goals for us. I mean, the list goes on and on with the guys in this room. And like I said, I'm just uh, proud to have been part of this group this year and um, just had a great time playing behind them. All right, quick comments there from uh, Cam Talbot, who takes the loss tonight in Game 7. Oilers fall 2-1 to the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, I think Talbot did, didn't quite get set probably the way he liked on that winning goal. Um, yeah, no. I, I watched the replay a few times now. He, he stayed in the down position. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think where the mistake was made, and I, I, who was the, the defenseman that jumped down? Was it Vatanen or Lindholm? I think it was Vatanen. Vatanen comes down. Uh, Milan, didn't, he didn't seal him off. He didn't seal off the wall. And all of a sudden, when he jumped past Milan, it was a three-on-two down low, and Russell and Benning had to decide where to go to, and it was a, a great pass out in front, and Richie got it off quickly. Benning wasn't able to get there quick enough. I don't know if it brushed off him or not, but it just it was. We call that the seven hole, and he put it in on the seven hole on Talbot, and uh, at that point, once the Ducks got the lead, then it was just a defensive shell and if there's one team that can protect a lead it would be Anaheim and we saw that tonight all right we have Greg on the phone line Greg you're on with Robin Reed go ahead hi there I just want to thank uh, Chad for the coverage of of the playoffs and and I just want to thank Jack Bob Rob and Reed and I especially appreciate Rob's insight on on that uh, on his Years of 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 the time in 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 the in the game. Anyhow, I just want to say thanks to the Oilers and and their their great time in in the playoffs. So they weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs, but but they they made it. And and uh, I just want to say thanks for for that. And and the uh, fans, it's it's. I just love the electricity in the city as far as uh, the flags, the jerseys, everything. And finally, I just want to change the subject here. In the, um, I'm on the air, aren't I? Yep, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, keep going. Okay. And then finally, in the uh, in the Vegas. Um, uh, Expansion draft. Expansion draft. Yeah. Does every team give up the same amount of players, or yes, everybody, everybody loses one player. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Just just one player. Just one player. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, and I just want to say to Rob, you know, are you going to make up a song for for Reed? just like you did for Danny T. <laughs> that was a long time ago, yeah. Um, I'd have to put some thought into it. I can't even believe you remember that. But, yeah, no, that was good. Uh, yeah, I'll have to get – I'll get my son help me on that. He's a musical guy in the family, but, yeah. What was this? I don't even remember this. One night – well, we went through some dark years with the yes. Oilers, and we stopped talking about the Oilers at, during our show because nobody wanted to call in. So I made up a song, and I sang a song to Dan, Dan on air. 
I don't know if I'd be comfortable with you singing a song to me. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm comfortable with it anymore either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's uh, 12.30. We'll take a quick timeout. Ron, John, Kent, and another John are up next on the phone lines. The Oilers' season comes to an end. 2-1 in Anaheim. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. On Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 12.32 in the morning. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. The Ducks beat Edmonton 2-1 in Game 7. Drake Kajula, the only goal for the Oilers. Kajula's future in the NHL. Think it's uh, down the middle or on the wing? Probably on the wing. I think uh, he's a small centerman. I I think that... Going forward, I don't know if he's got the strength to take face-offs. And this is a team that right now is not very good in face-offs as it is. Yeah. I, I think that with his speed, he can be creative on the outside. I mean, it all, it all depends what, what they have going forward next year. But if Nugent Hopkins back here next year, you've got McDavid, you've got Drysdale, you've got Nugent Hopkins, you've got Latestu, uh, and whatever else they bring in. So to me, I think Kajula looks more comfortable on the wing less pressure on him. He doesn't have to play down low in his own zone as much, which as a small forward, uh, he wouldn't be as effective as if he was uh, a bigger guy. So on the, he just has to worry about his own point man. So I think he's, he's going to be a, a nice fit here for the Oilers, but I, I see him as a winger. He can shoot the puck. Yep. And he's involved in the play. I mean, he goes he goes to the puck. He doesn't he doesn't sit there and wait for it to come to him when and, he's playing well. And he's got a surprisingly physical side to him. We see him throw uh, a number of hits this year for a small man. So he understands his role. And tonight, it, it we we watched him score the goal with the with the forecheck, but he finished the check too. And sent Theodore flying into the net, too. He wasn't going in to try and score a goal. He was going in to try and finish a check, and it turned out to be a goal for the Oilers. All right, we have Ron on the line. Hey, Ron, thanks a lot for calling. Are you there? Yeah, we're here, Ron. Hey, thanks for answering my call. Um, My congrats to both uh, Reid and Rob. I appreciate you both and and you're uh, just number one. I'm south of Calgary, so I'm an Edmontonian fan. Live in south of Calgary. We need your kind of show down here. But uh, what I wanted to ask, and maybe Rob just answered my question, um, what changes would you look for uh, going into next year? I'm thinking, you know, uh, I, I, I really love Ebb and uh, R&H, but, man, we need somebody who can win a face-off. Well, big time, yes. Well, and you know where where it comes into play. Like over the course of the the, the series, the Anaheim Ducks were much better in the faceoffs, and this is still a series that went seven games. It was a one goal game seven, but when you need a faceoff, absolutely need a faceoff late in a period, late in a game, the Oilers don't have that guy. Latestu uh, has been their best over the the course of the year, but still, you don't have what the Anaheim Ducks have, where they can throw at a lefty, they can throw at a righty, whatever it takes. So, yeah, again, a, a very good face-off man would help. I think that it all depends what they can do in the offseason. They've got contracts that they need to offload that are not easy to offload, and that'll what they can do with those contracts will dictate what other moves they're going to be able to make. I mean, I just quickly uh, checking some free agents here. I mean, Martin Hansel's a free agent. Very good hockey player. 30. 
wins, yep. wins face-offs. Yep. I don't I don't know if you need a, uh, a 37-year-old Joe Thornton on a team no. like, like this. No. A hands will be a nice fit because he's a third-line guy that you can yeah. put out against the other team's best players. But, but it's going to be fitting them in. Um, I mean, Dreisaitl's going to get a pretty nice contract, and it's yes. going to kick in for this year. McDavid will sign an extension, but that doesn't kick in till the, the following year. Um, yeah, I mean, one guy making $6 million, it won't be Lucic, obviously, could be gone. Uh, we'll see what happens with Pouliot. Now, again, though, if you trade a player like that, do you have to retain money or do you wind up buying him out, in which case a part of it is still on the cap. And how much longer does was Maroon got one year left before he gets a raise? Uh, I believe Maroon has two years two left. Two years left still? In which Anaheim Ducks are... Oh, no, pardon me. Maroon, one year is, left. Maroon is a UFA after... Next year, right? Oh, 17, yes, 18, after, yeah. after 17, 18. Yeah, and he'll be getting a raise, most likely, if he continues to play in the top Depending six. Depending on how he does, yep. yeah. So, no, the, I don't think the Oilers are in cap problems yet, but the Oilers certainly got some cap players that they want to rid the contract if they can. But, again, not easy to do. Brian Boyle, would you think he stays with Toronto? Uh, probably. I mean, to me, Hansel's the one you want. He's a he, he's very good third line center wins face off big man big strong man, uh, but I'm sure that because we want him, I'm sure there's a lot of other teams would like. Well, him that's too. <laughs> that's the thing, right? You don't always get to to choose your free agents because everybody's after the good ones. All right, uh, who who's up next on the line here, Kellen? I lost track of my list. We have John on the line. One of the two we have on hold. John, go ahead. Uh, is this this John? That's the Go one, yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, guys, great season. Just like the Oilers, really enjoyed listening to you all year. Thank you um, very much. You know, for starters, just really proud of the guys. It was a heck of a season. They, you know, went way better than we any of us expected. Um, and the one good thing I think about this playoff run is we got to see who the passengers were and who the drivers are. And great, great point. Obviously, we see, I mean, I hate to harp on it, but, like, for me, Eberly, we know he missed uh, – you know, didn't take that check and gave up the puck in game four. But for me, the telling play with him was in the third game, uh, start of the game, uh, Cam Fowler pinches in to keep the puck in, and he skates right up to him and refuses to finish his check, like just blue snow in him. And uh, I think Rashog even pulled up a highlight of that. Yeah, I see. And that just really showed, it just showed just the lack of commitment. I hate to harp on it, but just that to me, was all I needed to see. Um, so, you know, like everybody else has said, we've got to do something, shed some salary. I don't know how we're going to do that. But, um, you know, we just talked about a minute ago, and I was actually thinking about Joe Thornton. I don't know why he wouldn't be an option. He's 36, 37 years old, yeah, but he's uh, the guy that's proven in the face-off dot. He's played for McClellan before, and I get, I get that he probably doesn't want to leave California, but why couldn't he be an option for like a year or two? He well, wants to win a cup, no? No, interesting point. I, I, first of all, he may miss half the season. Yeah, no, I know with um, the injuries. And I and I then I guess it would depend how much money he wants. And as as I'm Rob guess, will tell you, the older you are, the more you usually will try to get. Right? Yeah, uh, you, my guess is he's going to be back in San Jose next year. Yeah. I, I really believe that uh, he he is a huge part of that organization. The fact that he played. With no knee in the first round of the playoffs for that team, Incredible. I think that goes a long way. I remember Logan Couture after the series talking about the respect that they have for him in the dressing room and for what he went through. 
I do not see him leaving San Jose. I believe he'll be back there. Yeah. Uh, w- one last quick question, if I could ask one. Um, I hate to go backwards, but you know the game where we uh, where we had the goalie interference. I remember Drew Remenda called in, and he was mentioning uh, the people that are on the the panel in Toronto, the situation, yep. or whatever you want to call it. And he mentioned that there wasn't a single ex-referee that was on there. You're absolutely right. You guys, he talked about Mike Murphy, who I think was the ex-coach of the Maple Leafs in like the '90s. And then he talked about like Brian Burke's son, Patrick Burke. Like, how does one get to be in that position? I'm just curious. Well, they're all NHL executives, but you're right. There should be an ex-ref in there. And did you hear Grant Fuhr on the pregame show on Sunday? Uh, I didn't hear that. No. So Grant said, "Why isn't there an ex-goalie in there if you're looking at goaltender interference?" Exactly. It's a joke. Like, there, you know, there is an issue when every single panelist, you know, on Hockey Night in Canada, all these guys, when everybody's saying it's the wrong call, the NHL needs to look at themselves and be like, hey, <laughs> we well, made a mistake. And the NFL, when the NFL makes a mistake on a ruling, they'll actually issue a press release saying, hey, you're right. screwed that's up. Right. So why is there no um, transparency here? Yeah, the I, NHL? you know what? I sorry, Rob. Well, this and I requested. I, I didn't say this on air on Sunday because I didn't want to get people too fired up. I requested interviews with Stephen Walkham, Colin Campbell, anybody that could speak to it. And my first, I got a reply saying Stephen Walkham not available. And then my follow-up yeah. request was just ignored. Well, I, I honestly uh, believe you, there was not anyone or press release or anything saying that they messed up because I don't believe they think they did. I think that's a scary thing. To me, common sense is this. Common sense is if you're going to have video review, you've got the war room in Toronto, New York, wherever it is. You have a highly respected ex-ref. You can have a goalie or not, I don't know, but you have a highly respected ex-ref or two or three of them that that can rotate. All decisions are made by them while talking to the referee. Because I saw a really good article the other day, and they talked about the fact that there's 35 or 40 refs in the National Hockey League. Everyone interprets something a little bit different. And it's just, it's common, I mean, it's just human nature to, I, I see something, you see it a little different, he sees it a little different. But if it's the same guy making the decision every time, well, now you have consistency. So they now you know standard. what the decision is going to be. They should make the, the call in Toronto with, while talking to the ref. The ref can say, here's what I saw. They can look at the video and they can make that decision. I always thought it was that. I was shocked that they didn't have more say in it until this all came out. And to me, if they don't go that way next year, then they're just asking for more trouble because it quite possibly and quite probably cost the Edmonton Oilers this series. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate That's it, John. Really true. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great week or a great summer. Yeah, Thank you very appreciate much. Appreciate it. 780-496-0063. Oilers lose 2-1 to the Ducks. We'll also bring Kent onto the show. Hey, Kent. Hi, guys. Go I ahead. Can't hear you. Oh, okay, good. Is it 1983? Because like, I kind of feel a bit like it was 83. I, I, like it's 83. At least I did in, uh, you know, after game five. And why so? Oh, just because of the the disappointing loss, uh, you know, I, I I was following and loving the Oilers, and then they lost four straight to New to New York, and it was just piercing my heart. And uh, it kind of feels like that, you know, a, a, a bit tonight, but especially after Game Five, I felt that way. And then Game Six was just such a tremendous high, like maybe maybe uh, one of the best games of the playoff games I've ever seen. So it's just an amazing team, uh, 
and uh, I, I really like our coach. Um, I was really missing Brandon Davidson just a ton in this series. I thought uh, Deame was, uh, he did very well for us. But I was so missing Brandon Davidson, particularly tonight. Like every time Nurse and Griba were on the ice, like I, I, I thought I was going to lose my mind. And then watching Clefbaum Larson play, like it was like those two are like, like it's like watching an artist or something. Like I got to see them in person uh, in the first uh, uh, preseason game uh, at the very first game that was played in the new arena. And I was just like, wow, this pair is really great. And then tonight they were still doing it. And the sticks that those guys had, like their sticks were, were just amazing. And same with them. Um, same with Russell. I, I really thought he did great. But yeah, I thought Russell. Know. I thought Russell worked pretty hard over the last two games for sure. I, I brought this up last game too when when Secker was hurt. I mean, I don't know if Brandon Davidson is on the team. If he necessarily would have gone in, him and Griba were neither one was really playing a lot, and it also ties into Kajula's usage that we brought up earlier. Deharnay's addition allowed them to put Kajula to the wing and take a little bit of responsibility off him. I think that's how Shirelli saw that. Um, you know, Brandon Davidson is a solid pro, but he also wasn't playing every game for Montreal, right? So they didn't no. they, did, they didn't trade, you know, Eric Carlson for David DeHarnay. But I think he makes a lot uh, better decisions than, than Darnell Nurse is making. Like, even... Even Kelly Rudy was talking tonight about some of the decisions Nurse was making, and it seemed like he was really rolling the bones a lot, like like almost as if they were playing with a pretty big lead. And I, I don't know if he was told to be so offensive and take so many chances and, and no, skate I so think, much with the puck. Or I think that's just how he plays, Kent. I, I think Darnell Robb is, is going to have to... You know, learn some of the subtleties here as he gets a little older and gets some more experience. Yeah, what they love about Darnell is just his raw athleticism, uh, his his skating ability, his uh, willingness to jump in for teammates, his aggression. What they need to work on, what Darnell needs to work on is, is the thinking part of the game when to jump in, when not to, when to just punt, as Todd McClellan yeah. said before. And on the goal tonight, the, the first goal, he needed to punt. Instead of punting, just throwing the puck off the glass, getting it out, and let's start all over, he tried to make a play, tried to keep a play alive. And in the end, it cost the Oilers because he brought the puck back into his own zone. They were too tired. The Ducks changed, and all of a sudden, the Oilers found themselves in trouble. So that is something that hopefully Darnell will continue to improve on and as he gets experience he'll become better um but there's in the Oilers organization's eyes there's no comparison between a Darnell Nurse and, and a Brandon Davidson in the ceiling that those two players have Oilers lose 2-1 to the Anaheim Ducks their season is over we're coming right back Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line on Oilers radio 630 Chet this is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Hey, thanks for staying up. It's 12.50 in the morning. Rob Brown is here. We're inside Rogers Place. Do you see how high the scoreboard goes? It goes hey, right to the top, man. That's unbelievable. We actually have to look up at the scoreboard, and we're in the eighth story. Yeah. 
Great year in the new building. Love the new building. The new building is fun. And it's funny, I get a lot of texts from people and buddies of mine that are all over the country and actually all over the states. And they all they talk about is, what's the building like? What's it like? We hear great things. And I've been fortunate enough during our telecast to sit in just about every section here. I've gone down and visited in the loge. I've gone down and visited in the suites. I've gone down to the stands. And it is, it's quite impressive. And for us, we get a nice bird's eye view of of the Edmonton Oilers and and uh, of this season, and it's been a lot of fun. We actually get our, our own little booth now. It's yep. kind of nice. Nice. We got very free, comfortable place. To very nice. To free M and M's. I mean, you just can't beat this job. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have John standing by. John, good to hear from you. So, how you doing? Doing well. This is. Uh you're saying it's 12:52. It's like 2:52 over here, man. Oh, where are you? Coast. Uh, New York City area. Oh well, thank you for calling. Yeah, the great thing about playoff hockey is, uh, especially when Canadian teams are in it, is I get to listen to the, uh, you know, Canadian sports uh, radio, which is just uh, amazing. Such a different, uh, different world. I'm not used to, but it's awesome. Um, but you're, uh, I got, I, I mean, I've been listening here for a while and it's just, um, it's so odd to hear, uh, the Edmonton fans just, it's, it's like doom and gloom over here with you guys. Um, you guys have probably one of the best up and coming teams in the league and people are still complaining about the reps and we almost did this and, you know, we need to do this and we need to do that. I mean... Listen, I mean, why not just not change anything and go with what you got? Um, you don't have many free agents next year, and uh, it's pretty much going to be the same team next year coming back. And I, I guarantee they're going to do the same thing. I, I just I don't see why... Um, Maybe it's because it's a Canadian market and everyone needs to try to outdo themselves and say, I played hockey and I know more than this guy or whatever. Um, but the bottom line is, this is a really, really good team that no one even expected to make the playoffs. And they made it to the second round of Game 7. I mean... If you bet money on the Oilers to win the Stanley Cup Finals, um, as if you like underdogs, if you like the long shot, that was probably a good bet because this team is going to be good for a very long time. And I, I really don't think you need to be bringing out the pitchforks and, and saying we need to do this and we need oh, to do that. Trust me, a, this was not amazing this, GM. Trust I mean, me, John, this was not pitchforks tonight. We've, 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 we've had, had pitchforks. Well, John, who's your favorite team? Well, I'm I'm in the I'm in the new New York metro area. I'm a Devils fan, which is uh there there's a stigma with that, I understand. Um, which is kinda why I called as well because I I think I heard one guy talk about Adam Larson and when you think about it, when when that trade went down with Hall and Larson, I just went, Man, we just got screwed um <laughs> with Hall. I mean Hall's a Hall's an amazing player. But to to have a stable guy like Larson back there on your back end, it just it it just changes everything. And I really don't think it's coincidence that they made it this far. 
um, by getting him and Lucic as well. I mean, you know, that's a that's a big get as well. But um, I just think it's this is a really really good team, and they're really going to be. I'm predicting they I've been predicting for a while they're going to be good, and sadly it was the ex, at the expense of my team, the New Jersey Devils, um, that uh, traded away an amazing defenseman that is just going to stabilize everything in Edmonton and uh, well, we, whatever. Yeah, well, <laughs> Adam Larson had a very good year. He definitely he definitely did what he was brought in to do, and we appreciate you listening and, and, and calling from the, uh, the New York metro area. But, yeah, I mean, Adam Larson did what he was supposed to do, yeah. and he defended very well. Uh, he, he was meaner than I thought he was. Well, and it's funny the, the the caller talked about the fact that when he when he heard the trade, he was so disappointed as a New Jersey fan and what he was getting. Where here in Edmonton, everyone was the exact opposite because we didn't know enough about Adam Larson. But after seeing him for an entire season, we understand now why they were sad in New Jersey because he is a good hockey player, a very good hockey player, and the to me the biggest reason the Edmonton Oilers became a much better team is the play in their own zone. They became became a much better defensive play, and that's on Cam Talbot, that's on Clefbaum, but a large part of that is also on Adam Larson. All right, the Oilers' season ends with a 2-1 loss in Anaheim. If you're on hold, we are getting to you. we got to take a quick timeout for a news, traffic, and weather update. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reid Wilkins. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chad. Leon, dry settle down the middle, reshot, score! McDavid backhands it toward the empty net and score! Thank you, Oilers. From your fans at Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chan. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chan. Well, thanks for staying up. It's 1.05 in the morning. Inside Rogers Place, along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. The final in Game 7, 2-1. The Anaheim Ducks beating the Edmonton Oilers. Kajula, Cogliano, and Richie, the goal scorers. The Oilers are now 6-4 in their franchise history in Game 7s. The Ducks go to 3-6. They had lost Game 7 at home four years in a row, but tonight... They get over the hump. 780-496-0063. We'll bring Robert onto the show. Hi, Robert. Hi, guys. How you doing tonight? Doing well. Well, just on all my final thoughts for the season. Obviously, you know, this team obviously exceeded expectations, jumping from 29th overall to 8th. You know, and then I think if think if, think if uh, people had said at the start of the year, well, you know, they're, they're going to make the second round of the playoffs and lose in Game 7, I think... I think most fans would have taken that. No, you're absolutely right. I, I didn't expect that. I thought this was a team that was going to miss the playoffs. Be close, but miss. But I, I didn't understand or at that point realize how good Cam Talbot was going to be, how much the Oilers' defense were going to improve with the additions of, of a Larson, of a Russell, of a, a Benning, and then the emergence of not just a good hockey player, but a great hockey player in Leon Dreisaitl. So I was surprised, pleasantly surprised. That's why it's exciting going forward for this organization. Yeah, no, no and my other thought tonight is uh, is regarding the uh, offseason. I mean, what, what, what possible changes, I mean, short of maybe potentially one of Nuge or Everly goes, 
uh, maybe I wouldn't expect to see DeHarnay back. But then another possibility is maybe Russell. Do we do do does Russell get re-signed? I th- I think Russell will be re-signed. Now he'll have some control over that because he's an unrestricted free agent. I think they'll sign another depth defenseman, whether Griba comes back or a Griba-like player. Uh, as, as, as we were talking about, I think they'll look for someone who can win some face-offs, and they'll probably look for, you know, quite frankly, they might look for somebody like Nick Ritchie, who can play maybe in your middle six and can shoot the puck. Um, you know, he's not... You know what I mean? Like that type of player, yeah, Rob? I mean, I, I used to talk about like a Craig Smith type player. I think he had a bit of a down year this year. But guys who aren't stars, but they kind of get you 18 to 22 goals, and then they know how to get to the net. Yeah, and once again, we, we, we've talked about it earlier. It'll depend on what they can shed contract-wise. Because if they can't move a $6 million player, that limits what they're going to do bringing in. Yeah. Because you're not going to have a $6 million player playing on your fourth line. So they need to move some contracts out before they decide to bring some contracts in. The one thing about Shirelli is he's he's made moves that were unexpected. Yep. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Hall for Larson is, is the big one. Going into the trade deadlines, you know, everybody was talking about this, this, and this, and then, oh, Patrick Maroon. Oh, okay. And then even this year, I mean, I don't, again, I don't think David DeHarnay is going to be back, but no, no one, no Was one saw that. So I mean, that's the thing about Shirelli. He clearly has an angle to the game that that uh, is 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 unique and, and often hasn't been. He's made moves that nobody has been speculating that he was going to make. What I really like about Peter Shirelli is Peter Shirelli has a plan, and he understands where his plan needs to go. He understands what he needs to get to make his plan work. And he sticks to his plan. And I think that if you go into uh, an offseason or into an organization before the offseason and say, all right, oh, I'm going to get this guy. He's pretty good. Oh, then I'm going to go get that guy. He's pretty good. But you don't have a plan on how you're going to play them, where they're going to fit in, right. what kind of players they are, what kind of attitudes they bring. If you don't have that plan, well, now you got a mismatch. And now you're telling your coach to figure it out for you. But he's gone in and he says, okay, this is the type of team I want. Here's the type of players I want. Here's who I'm going to go get. And it just seems to fit in nicely every time he moves someone in. Now, not everything is going to work out 100%, but his hit uh, ratio has been very good. And that's why the Oilers are continuing to move up because and move up quicker than we expected because he's his plan is coming to fruition, and it was a good plan. And the players have bought in, and now hopefully he can just add a little bit more and this team can take the next step. One player that he brought in, trade with the Montreal Canadiens about a year and a half ago, Zach Cassian. Here are his thoughts after Game 7. It stings. Um, every one of us in here is competitive. Every one of us wanted to win the series, felt we could win the series, and when he falls short, um, there's no way. Um, unless you win a cup, there's no way the season ends this type of way and feels good. Um, the only way you're going home happy is with the Stanley Cup, and we fall short of that goal. Um, and saying that, uh, the respect I have for the guys in here um, is through the roof. I played on uh, a number of teams, and uh, this was this was a team that... Uh, uh, you could feel uh, how tight we were, how close, how, how close knit we were, and 
Uh, it's, it's, it's just tough right now. That game, just how would you sum it up? I mean, two good teams basically going toe-to-toe for life. Yeah, we had a good first. They pushed in the second. Um, and then we had chances to score in the third. We just didn't score. Um, like I said, it stings, but um, there's a lot to be proud of in this room. It's, it's tough to see it right now. But uh, we're a resilient group in here. I think there's numerous times throughout the year we could have folded. folded. Um, and not only in the in the regular season, but in the playoffs. And we clawed our way back. Um, and it's it's, uh, it's one of those things. It doesn't feel good right now, but uh, the longer this sits, I think we have to come to realize um, if you sat us down at the beginning of the year and you told us we would be in this point at this time of year, uh, we would have taken it. Uh, it's tough right now. You know, I never thought I would hear his name chanted by Oilers fans after <laughs> no. the incident with Sam Gagne a, f- a few years ago. That is a guy who's uh, had some uh, tough times in his life, and I mean, he'd be the first to tell you he's he, you know he it was his his fault. Yeah. He, well, he never, but but still, uh, Zach Cassian uh, recovered from some some addictions and and some trouble that he was having, and he was a pretty effective. I mean, and you talk about. Again, Shirelli bringing in a guy to fill a certain role. Mm-hmm. All right, you're fast. You can hit. You can kill penalties. You can get the odd goal. We're not going to play you too high in the lineup, but go do your thing. Yeah, and he came in and he excelled at it. I think that he, Cassian, eventually appreciated where he was at, understood the commitment level, uh, both on and on the on and off the ice that you needed to make to be uh, to stay at this level, and then he excelled in his role and whether it was being moved up on the first or second line or being put in as a fourth line energy type player wherever he was he he brought the same type of attitude to the point where uh, he is well ahead of a lot of players on the depth chart going forward and a player that we've talked about could be and probably will be protected in the, the vegas expansion draft that's right he will be all right we have al from philly phoning in Oh, wow. It's a pleasure to hear from you. Go ahead. Hi, how are you? Um, enjoy the show. I've been listening for a few years now. Um, I, too, am a diehard Devils fan. Um, but I've always had a really big soft spot in my heart for the Edmonton Oilers for preventing two Stanley Cup parades here that would have killed me in the 80s. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, so um, I just want to comment. Um, when they traded for Adam Larson, um, when the Oilers traded for Adam Larson, I actually called up the Devils PR department and went nuts. So, because um, I was very angry, and that's no slight on Taylor Hall. I love the kid; he's a great. He's a great player. He needs some help, um, but I really enjoy watching him play. But it's very hard to get a, a, a very good young defenseman like we have with Adam Larson. Um, I think you guys' future looks really great. Um, I like hearing the, uh, the the calls and hearing a different point of view um, from you know fans up in Canada. Um, there are some uh, North American fans, a lot of diehard Devils fans. We do know the game. Um, <laughs> um, we all don't watch baseball. But um, I just want to say I enjoy the show, um, and uh, just uh, thanks for having a good show. Well, thanks. Thanks for uh, staying up in Philadelphia and no, giving us a call. No, it would have been really cool. The two callers that we had from the New York area, if we would have had them on in the summer when the trade went down between Larson and yeah. Hall to give us some sort of indication at how good Larson was and how important he was to that franchise because there were not a lot of pro-Larson calls 
when that trade went down. Yep. And here's you got two gentlemen that have called in and talked about the importance that Larson was to that team, and now we've seen the importance that Larson has been to the Edmonton Oilers. You can get more on the Oilers page on 630Chet.com as we wind it down here at Rogers Place. The Oilers' season ends after 13 playoff games. They are beaten in Game 7, 2-1 by the Anaheim Ducks. Now, live sports, of course, far from done on 630Chet. We will bring you the NHL Conference Finals and Stanley Cup Finals. Nashville and Anaheim, Game 1, 7 o'clock on Friday. Ottawa and Pittsburgh, Game 1, 5 o'clock on Saturday. And then we'll continue with both those series our first Edmonton Eskimos broadcast Sunday June 11th they will be visiting the Calgary Stampeders in a preseason game that'll kick off at five Dave Campbell and Morley Scott I want to have a big thank you out to Troy Bowler he's been our engineer all season here at Rogers Place our studio producer for most of the season doing an excellent job is Kellen Kennedy Brandon Graziano and Matthew Panashik also worked the board for us. Thanks to Brendan Ulrich and Scott Johnson, who often collected post-game audio for us here at Rogers Place. Bob Mike, uh, Bob Michaels, Bob Stoffer and Jack Michaels, always a pleasure to work with. The NHL Awards will be June 21st. The NHL Draft, June 23rd and 24th. We'll have coverage of those. Of course, McDavid and McClellan are up for awards. And a big thank you to our executive producer, Sid Smith. Rob, as always... Great to work with you. Looking forward to another year. I am. It was a ton of fun this year, Reed, and I'm looking forward to even more fun next year. And, of course, the biggest thank you goes to everybody who participates and listens to the show. Thank you, fans. Thank you, listeners. Oilers now from noon to 2 later today. All have inside sports from 6 to 8. Still lots to talk about. It's 1-16. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Jet. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.